Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Well, hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We've been talking about things to do while you've been socially distancing or uh, isolation, whatever you want to call it. And one of the things we've been talking about was contacting old friends. As I was speaking to Hal from Lachlan Table last week, he mentioned that he had uh, Creation Gardens had donated a bunch of food to a bunch of people. And it got my brain thinking. I wonder how a company like Creation Gardens is dealing with all of this. And it was also a great opportunity to catch up with an old friend. So I called Monty Crawford. And I hope you enjoy what we talked about. Monty Crawford, it is so great to have you uh, on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Thanks for being here. Brad, I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Glad to participate. Monty, what is your exact title at Creation Gardens? Brad and I am uh, currently the COO of our Southern Divisions, which covers um, St. Louis. I know it's really not south, but we worked that into the south. Certainly here in Nashville, all Middle Tennessee, southern indiana um uh, through uh, central and southern kentucky western kentucky all the way to birmingham chattanooga knoxville and Asheville. wow okay you have uh you have quite the territory well we've we've grown a little bit since we you and i were last together uh so yeah our territories are growing or they were all right well hey first of all uh, let's let the listeners in on a little bit of our history. So I met you in 2005 when Creation Gardens had just come to town and um, we're not doing much business at all. And I was a, a AGM at Amerigo and you came in to kind of cold call me and we started a relationship. We did. Uh, matter of fact, you followed me out the door and said, are you looking to expand or hire in this market and, and and your timing was perfect because i was and sometimes things are fortuitous they happen for a reason and what i loved about that opportunity money was at the time and i don't know how i'm really curious to get into this with you as to exactly where the trajectory of creation gardens went pre-economic um, downturn and then post-economic downturn leading into what we're dealing with today but my attraction to want to come work for Creation Gardens was when I met with you, you said, we want to be completely different than everybody else. And we want to treat chefs as if they're the star because they're the star. And I said, you want to treat chefs like we treat our guests in the front of the house? And you said, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, Brandon, just to, to give the audience just a little bit of background, how we got started, right? We... And we started in an ice plant um, but that was built in the late 1800s in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And, and, you know, really didn't have a, didn't know where we were going. We, we were coming out of a, a period where the ice plant had caught plant, uh, fire. Molly and Ron Turnier uh, owned our company. And at the time, they were just recent graduates of, uh, of graduate school. Uh, had no intentions coming back to Louisville to work for um, their father-in-law. But his ice plant caught on fire and he was in trouble so he asked them to come back to Louisville and uh, you know help him get out of, out of the trouble he found himself in financially and and Ron was able to turn that ice plant that ice business around and but but he recognized that he had a lot of refrigerated space and that was not being used so he went to some local chefs downtown and said hey what can we do for you got all this refrigerated space that your current food purveyors aren't doing for you and the first thing he said was, hey, we, we would love to be able to get specialty produce and gourmet items without having to order two weeks out from our current purveyor, and that would be a great benefit to us. And really, Brandon, that's how we got started, and that led to us you know, buying a little small full-service produce company out that we moved into that building. And so when, when Ron looked around and said, well, we can't out Cisco Cisco. There's no way. They're, they're the biggest, baddest guy in town, and, and so we can't get in there and try to outprice them. We can't outdo them, but what can we do? So he went back to those same chefs and said, how can we be different? And they started saying, well, we, we you know, we, 
we don't like our cutoff times. At the time, I think the industry was probably averaging around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And you you remember that because that's how we kind of started getting business down here. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, so that was one of the things we immediately went, well, okay, there's no reason why we can't really give a later cutoff time. And some of these operators were small operators, had, had you know, mom and pop, just like we are, like we were then and we still are today. You know, we don't really need a whole case of limits. Okay, well, how many you need? Well, really, we don't go through with 10 a week. Okay, well, we'll sell you 10 a week. So we just really started doing things that I guess were difficult for the for the broadliners and the, and the bigger companies. And, you know, we've kind of operated ever since that way, Brandon. As you well know, we we would love to tell, our, tell people that we are what chefs want. We're not that cocky and, and what we've tried to do is to do what chefs want and, and that's really how we've run our company for 22 years now so it's interesting because that there's a there's a side of that that sounds like you've said that before um because you have because that some of that is who you are that can come across as this is our elevator pitch but i'm an i can attest to the fact that that's exactly who you are like when I first came on, there was no different than that. That was my job description right there was take that, what you just described, and do that in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, and boy, those were exciting times. We were this little company coming into Nashville with really no expectations other than trying to fill one truck and, and try to be that company that could deliver specialty produce and gourmet items to, to the customer base down here seven days a week you know uh, uh and no minimums no fuel charges no delivery fees and, and with no expectations of other than hey let's see if we can fill up a, one truck and, and see where it goes from there and so i think we were running around three or four trucks when you came on board still very very young our existence down here and you bought into our our, our mission statement if you will uh, right out of the gate you saw the difference you'd worked in restaurants you saw how we could be a benefit to our customer base and you know things we were very blessed we we, we landed some big accounts in this city that were important for our resume if you remember oh yeah the the you know the hermitage hotels the hillwood country clubs uh, that when you were walking in were We've never heard of Creation Gardens at the time. That was our, you know, our company name, and it was for a long time. And now it's our, and the Creation Gardens is actually our produce division. You know, you would walk in and say, "Hey, you know, who, who, who you are? Here's what we do. Who are you do? I've never heard of you. Who are you doing business with?" And boy, when you could say the Hermitage Hotel and Hillwood Country Club and the likes, I'm sure I'm leaving off some other ones. Jay Alexander's. It immediately opened some doors for us. Vanderbilt University was a big one back in the day. It was really one of our biggest acquisitions we got, right? But you know, those were the, those were the kind of the good old days, the wild, wild west, as I like to call it, because I stayed in this business for another 10 plus years after, um, leaving creation gardens, what chefs want. And, um, we were, we would remember one of the times just so that we can reminisce a little bit, 2005 walking in, I remember we were downtown. I think we were at the red pony and we're talking to, I think, uh, the chef there, Jason McConnell, the owner. Yeah. and we said we could, we'll start you tomorrow. We can we don't need a credit application. We don't need any of that stuff. Just tell me your name. I'll send your email address, and then we'll ship you an order tomorrow. And we did that. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. That's back in the day. Though. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's another name. You know, I probably shouldn't even started talking about some of the people that were so important to us early on. And Jason McConnell's always been a great partner, a, a great friend our company and you're right that, that we we used to do that I, I can remember riding around with ron early the owner of our company and he's going i'm not worried about credit apps uh we, we just need to get business flowing through and, and we'll we'll worry about that later and so yeah that was kind of the wild wild west <laughs> i remember uh just if we're going to continue reminiscing so what we used to do and this is something if you're listening out there these you, you think about a company like what chefs want and you think, oh, they're they're a big company. They they got all this stuff. We were this little tiny warehouse in Louisville, Kentucky, and we had a sixteen foot or maybe it was a twenty four foot truck that came down every day from Louisville, and then there was three little red box trucks that we parked behind a quick stop market in off Long Hollow Pike, and then every morning at five o'clock in the morning, we'd meet the truck from Louisville in the Shell station. Uh, which has since been bulldozed down and redone off Long Hollow Pike. And we would 
pull the trucks up in back end to back end. We had a pallet transfer jack and we would just load everything in a parking lot before we went out to deliver. And I'll never forget the first year it was Mother's Day as well as Vanderbilt graduation, Belmont graduation. It was the biggest weekend we'd ever had. We just signed on like 30 restaurants. We were just hustling the biggest day we'd ever had. And I remember telling my wife the night before, like, tomorrow's going to be a great day. It's a Saturday. It's the Saturday before Mother's Day. It's the Saturday Vanderbilt graduation. We're going to be slammed. It's going to be awesome because that's what we love. We like it when it's super busy. But little did I know that if 507 I get a phone call from Brian the driver and he kind of talked like he kind of talked like this. And I remember getting the phone call and he said, "Brandon." I said, "What's up, Brian?" He goes, "Man, I, my my tires flat on the truck." And I said, "I'm sorry." He goes, "Tires on the truck, they're flat." And I said, "Um okay." And he goes, "Actually, I'm looking right now. All the tires on all the trucks are flat." And I think that's one of those <laughs> oh crap moments it was an oh crap moment uh, <laughs> that's when you we found out what you were made of that morning not that we maybe didn't know before then but you jumped in with both feet and 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 got the tires changed and off we went so we yeah we got tires changed we had a mobile company come out change the tires i had a chevy silverado truck we took the truck from louisville and I'll never forget being right there, right in front of Sunset Grill in the parking lot of Jackson's. Because we worked with Jackson's, Sunset Grill, Fido, uh, The Trace, and Cabana. I mean, if you're, we're talking back in the day now. If you're an old school Nashville person, you know what I'm talking about. Right in the middle of that parking lot, filling up four or five different deliveries in the back of my truck, throwing a two-wheeler in there, throwing somebody in the truck with me while we headed over downtown and he delivered right there. Then I would come back and meet the truck wherever he was and filled my truck back up and we just started making deliveries. I'm in Franklin. I'm, I'm all over the place. That was a... And then you had people forget to order too and we didn't have a warehouse so that was always a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's kind of been who we've been from day one, Brandon. We just made it happen. Yeah. You know, that was the culture that we created uh, within our company. You you didn't throw your hands up there and, and call Ron and I and say, hey, guys, we're not going to be able to deliver today. That wasn't an option. That was not an option. Uh, and, and so we, you know, that's just really what's allowed our company to continue to grow from a little mom-pop operation. We're still owned by that same husband and wife. We don't have financial investors. We don't have Wall Street money. It's it's still a husband and wife. And, and um, but so when you're... All the all of our listeners that are out here in the food business, and, and you know my background. I own and operated two restaurants for twelve years. When when, when you're family owned and you're small and you're trying to get big or whatever, my you don't have any options but to get the job done. And that's you know changing pace on you a little bit, Brandon. That's what's been so um, amazing in our our industry and and our our community in particular. Watching our folks that give their blood, sweat, and tears of, of trying to create opportunities for other people in our industry. So, you know, certainly not only the owners, but then the, the people that work for them. And, you know, we, we you know, the tornado seems like a lifetime ago now. It does. And what happens? Uh, the, the, it comes in here and it destroys so many operations. and People's just disrupted so many lives and certainly took some lives. And, and what's this industry do? They jump in both feet, all hands aboard and make things happen because, that's what we do. We don't have an option. That's that's who this industry is, and and so it's you know it's been humbling to watch that, and and then you know a week later we 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 get another just a, a shot in the head across this country, um, and, and and here we are again, and people you know joining forces and, and you know talking to owner and operators that are out there that might be listening, just you know what they're doing, and you know it's, it's it truly is day to day thing. Uh, trying to figure out how we're going to meet payrolls, uh, how you know how we're going to pay our bills, how how can we help our families? So, you know, that's Creation Gardens is a really a, just a uh, an extension of how our owner operators are in restaurants and the cor- and certainly the corporates as well. They were at one time were small independents who turned into corporate. Uh, if you're in this food business, you do what it takes to get the job done, and that's what you did that day. And uh, you, you continue to have that spirit of service today. Well, 
so so thank you Monty. i mean that means a lot to me coming from you obviously you're a mentor of mine and i i just appreciate all the time that we've got to spend together and uh so i want to get back i i, I don't want to take some of the momentum you just now talked about because i want to get into what what chefs one is doing today like what how all of this is affecting you because part of the story i want to tell here is i want everybody out there in this this community to listen and see what a company of your size how you pivot because it it's i think it's not too dissimilar to everybody else but right now the evolution of creation gardens into what chefs want and i we don't have to spend as much time because i wasn't there but the economic downturn happened 2008 i moved on to go work at fresh point what chefs want creation gardens turned into something different you pivoted at the time and added like staples restaurant staples to go boxes how did that springboard who you guys are now well that's you know that's that's a great question brandon and it really you know it started with the top at the top uh, the ron Turnier's one of his assets many assets but one of them he's a visionary and he saw the challenges that standalone produce companies were going to have in the future logistics uh costs were going to continue to to go up and he realized that we could not if we were going to grow our company uh, meet all the demands of delivery times which, you know, every time someone opens up, they think we're sitting around, you know, and I say this with, with the humblest of hearts, that we've got a new, great new concept coming in, and uh, uh, we, we, we're going to open up, and we're going to, you know, we're going to spend $20,000 a week with you, and we're going to seat 500 people in a restaurant nightly, and, and, and we need a 7 o'clock delivery time. Yeah, well, everybody does. <laughs> so everybody needs that. So what what the natural instinct is, well, you got to add on trucks to try to start meeting some more delivery times, but the more trucks you had on the more trucks you got to fill up because you couldn't run around with half empty trucks and and for us to keep up the pace of growth in our in our communities uh the territories that we were in we had to figure out how to not run around with half empty trucks so you're right we, we just started picking up and again we, we we relied on our chefs we we did we truly do rely on our partners in our industry to tell us what can we do to be of a, a better partner to you and so we just you know, all of a sudden we we, we added on to go products and some, uh, just a few handful of staple items. And next thing you know, I'm we're carrying 400 cheeses and oils and vinegars, and it it wasn't random. You know, we again we we didn't we couldn't afford to try to out sell Cisco and cheese. We just wanted to bring on cheeses from from small family batches around the world. And so just doing the little things, and then next thing you know, we we bought a meat company. Uh, that you know we feel like it's second to none we, it's a, it was a family business and that's what ron likes to, to in telling the story we're a collection of small family businesses when i look around and see we've probably acquired 15 small family companies throughout the years most of them are still with us wow. we make it a win-win or you know we like to talk about uh, we merge you know and it just feels better than saying we bought somebody out that an operation like the building we're in now you you remember when we were working with Ernest Williams, been in business for, you know, 50 or 60 years and, and family owned the, the three siblings working down here all in the mid to upper fifties when they came on board with us and, and, and Mr. Williams was still living. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't even take their sign down. I mean, we finally put one of ours up, but we like the fact that we have small family business joining our business and, and we've kind of continued to do that with different product lines. Uh, we bought, you know, the, long-time seafood company in Louisville that for years we just delivered for them and we charged a delivery fee to help them. They would deliver some territories like Indianapolis that we weren't going to that maybe we could throw a few boxes on our truck. And so finally made sense to get them on board. So that's how we've kind of evolved. And, and before, you know, this, this uh, pandemic that we find ourselves in now, we, you know, that's been our mode is bringing on more small family businesses to help them have a, a plan for the future. Uh, because, you're seeing some big companies throughout this country and that, that are long-standing 70 and 80 year old companies that have been in produce business that just can't make it anymore with half empty trucks so let's talk about half empty trucks because this is something that i'm curious about with you and it's it's kind of a math problem 
And for those of you who are not familiar with the supply chain and how it works, what he was referencing, um, you can't drive around with half empty trucks. A math problem, prime costs. What does it cost to make a delivery? And if you have a half empty truck and you're driving around, part of this, and I'm gonna simplify this, Monty, and then I'm gonna ask you kind of some questions as to how you guys do this. If you're buying food from a purveyor and they make a delivery to you, there's an average cost of what that costs, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just for math sake, let's say it's $100. So every time you make a delivery, it costs the company $100. So in this case, what chefs want, and I'm not, I don't know if that's their number. I'm just, this is purely hypothetical. It costs you $100 to make a delivery. And if you deliver 10 cases to them, it averages out to mean you need to make ten dollars per case per delivery right but you know that's impossible nobody gets to make that so nobody gets to make that right so one of the ways in which if you're a large company or anybody who's delivering product the way in which you can negotiate if you're a restaurateur is to add packages so i'm going to commit more volume so if i get 10 packages on a delivery that cost the company i'm purchasing from a hundred dollars they in turn need to charge me $10 per delivery. But if I buy 100 packages from them, they in turn could charge me $2 per package and double their profits, right? Yep. So how does your model work? Do you guys still do well, deliver I, I no minimums, that, all of that? I mean, how does that, does that math problem equate into what you do? Well, it, it, it never has, Brandon. And obviously the models worked or we, we would still be in business. Um, we made a conscious decision again and it, it goes back to our original startup that we could not out Cisco Cisco we couldn't out fresh point fresh point fresh points model is that they want a minimum and they don't care where you're at we don't have the time or manpower or the resources to run rural routes okay so everybody gets out on the highway they go and they see exit after exit and they see restaurant after restaurant or you know little hotels and well, the broadliners carry them. And so that really then determines how the broadliners have to try to run their whole company because if if they deliver to uh, Columbia or beyond here, you know, Huntsville, Alabama for two days a week, well, they got to have minimums. Well, there's no way they can go to the, their other account seven days a week like we do. We run tight urban routes. We're going by stops daily the same stops and we just soon for our timing on our routes that you order from us daily we don't want you throwing food away we want you to have the freshest product available some people don't have the coolers to order for three days so we just made up our minds to again what can we do to, to find our niche to be different from our competition and so Randy, you know it's it's a pretty thing when you can go to park park a truck and go to four stops in that one stop. If you're 10 or 15 miles away from our nearest stop, we we, we probably got to talk about does it make sense for either one of us because we're going to charge you enough and put a minimum on you uh, to stay within our framework of how we do business. So, you know, our competition, you mentioned one of them that you used to, to work for. Sure. They, they used to tell people that all the time that we can't, that is not sustainable. The, the, the model will not work quietly, just continue to grow across this country. And uh, but from that model, sticking to who we are, not, not you know, sometimes corporate accounts want to drag us out of areas we're not used to. When you say, hey, we, unfortunately, we can't cover the one, uh, you know, in West Tennessee because it just does not meet our model. We'd rather give that to one of our, our, our competitions that are, they can, they can, they can take care of. It. Sure. We just, don't allow ourselves to go outside of who we are, or at least we try not to. And, you know, another thing, and tell me if I'm wrong, I'm not making, I certainly don't want to make any assumptions, but you're a private company. You're not a public company. So you don't have shareholders saying you need to do this, you need to do that. You have one guy, you have a CEO, president, and his wife who own the company, and they yep. make kind of the decisions. If, they want to do something they they can they they can be a little more nimble well that's that's right you know i mean listen so many companies and a lot of our competitors they've got stockholders to, to answer to um and so their business 
model has to make sense that is makes them the most profitable. There's some things, Brandon, we don't do that are profitable. It's it's just like a restaurant that you know a lot of times you've always heard there's lost leaders on the menu. There's lost leaders of our service. Uh, our we're, we're a service company. We don't try to, as you well know, and it was always for you and I. We're salespeople. You and I love to sell. Our model does not support that. You know, the amount of times you open up a, a new account. So, Brandon, are you gonna be my rep? Well, no, no. Here's how. Here's how we work. Here's the things we do. We we allow you to order online. We got app. You know, this one and all. You know, all this things were changing. Uh, you can call up to midnight to order for next day delivery and leave a voicemail. You know, all the things we did different. We did. We didn't grow our pe- our company with salespeople. So we were able to spend our money on service. And um, so we, you know, again, you're you're right. Uh, we we have been building this company as we go. You can remember the days we would. We would meet once a quarter, and we would just brainstorm. What can we do different? You remember when we were uh, creating our QSPART, uh, you know, our whole marketing piece to, to try to go to the markets and how we could uh, to, to be have a sales company with no salespeople. <laughs> that's, that's a mouthful. So I remember a story. We used to do these sales meetings, and um, Ron and Jim had a – kind of a farmhouse right next to there. They had like this lake house that they shared. And we brought, there was a couple managing partners. We brought everybody together and we went fishing. We had a meeting at, on a um, park bench out by this little lake. And then we went over to the lake house and we had some cocktails. And we had a good meeting that afternoon where we kind of, hey, what do you guys think about this? What should we do here? Let's do a brainstorming meeting. Ron's going to kill me for telling the story. We got back to the lake house and we had a couple more drinks. We went out on the boat. We jumped. We 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 shotgunned a beer. Jump off a rock. You know, we all just we were all having a really good time. It was a lot of fun. We get back to the house. We cook some dinner. We cook some of the fish that we'd caught. Have a couple more drinks, and we're all feeling pretty loose. You know, it's five or six guys at a at a lake house for a, a weekend retreat, and we get to about nine o'clock at night. And Ron says, "Hey, you guys have your notes from the meeting today." And I said, yeah. And he goes, go grab him. I want to meet again outside. And we go sit outside and he has us pull out our notes. And he goes, what'd you really think about it when we went and talked about this? And we kind of had another meeting. I don't know what came out of it, but I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I figure we have a meeting. I want to figure out what everybody really thinks now that you're all drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was you like, I love this guy. How, how amazing. Oh, Who sorry. thinks of doing something like that? Well, it's always been unorthodox, and that's what you can do with, you know, when you're an independent, you know, and, and making decisions as you go. You're writing the playbook. Lord knows that's what we've been doing. And, you know, we don't always make the right decisions, uh, Brandon. It's, um, you know, because this is a perfect example of, of those times. I mean, we, there's no playbook for any of us out here in the business world, especially our industry. Well, let's uh, get into that. I don't want to catch off. Let's get into where you're at now and. So let's get, let's let's start let's start with the tornado. You wake up that Tuesday morning. What's your day look like? Well, I live in Gallatin, and um, all of a sudden the phone rings about I don't know six fifteen six twenty. It's one of our daughters. Are y'all up? Well, we're we're moving. Dad just got out of the shower. Maybe you looked at your phones now. Well, she told us what you know the storm had hit. Well, I look at my phone. I've got twenty text messages, <laughs> and so. That's how I found out about it, and so immediately, you know, I get cleaned up and get on to the office and realize that we, you know, it's it's not just a windstorm. We've got major problem. You know, it's it's a major impact on our community, and, and it sounded like we'd lost lives. And so I immediately start reaching out to people just to make sure, you know, where I'm hearing the storm hit is is anybody that we we know or do business with, or you know, that that are needing our immediate help. Did anybody lose a life? And it's you know the normal things that any of us would go through. And then driving in, I realized that, you know, I'd already been told our electricity is out and we have a, a gas powered generator that operates our lighting systems and our offices, but it does not run our coolers. And so I, I you know, I knew that all right now the clock's ticking and, and as you well know, and you know, we, we can control our temperature for about 24 hours and, and then it, you're going to get in trouble. So I, I recognizing the, this, the size of the storm and the impact it had, I, I knew I better get busy and try to get a, get an industrial generator in here to uh, keep our doors open. And uh, fortunately, I, I called back home from Western Kentucky and Madisonville, and 
and called a buddy that's in the business and they they had me a generator down here by 12 12 30 and we were up and running and, wow. and so we we ran that for eight nine days and, and then all of a sudden you know it was brandon and you know like the rest of us we heard it hit out there at the airport and then you hear that cisco had been infected well then your mind really goes uh-oh this 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 thing's real and and, and so uh you know, we started getting phone calls. You know, Cisco's not going to be able to deliver us. They think it'll be two or three days, and can we go ahead and get this? And, you know, Cisco was still, I mean, as big a company as they are, they make $7 billion a year. When you're when you turned up on your ear, you really don't have a, a plan for that in place. You know, we, we most companies like ourselves, we've got a crisis management uh, plan in place. We, we had one for this coronavirus. But you practice it once a year, and then when it comes to practice, you know, running the thing, you really don't know, uh-oh, <laughs> this sounded good on paper. It worked well, fine on a drill, but we weren't ready for this, and Cisco wasn't ready. And those of us that were still in business weren't ready for what was fixing to take place with Cisco. And, and what so, happened to Cisco, I mean, you talk about tornado taking out part of your warehouse. There's no generator that can fix that. No. That, I mean, there's they, no way you, can, you can't prepare for that. No, so the president of our company immediately sent him a letter. I hear you guys are down. First of all, you know, we're sorry. What can we do to help? If we can deliver your products with your invoices and help you get through these times, that's what we want to do. Wow. And Ron sent that letter out that morning. We sent it out to Choice Foods as well. The same thing. We knew they'd been hit. Hey, guys, we'll we'll go back to being fierce competitors when, when, when we get to the other side of this. But we want to be a part of anything we can do to help you. We've got trucks that we can send over to you. We know you probably don't, but we we'll, we'll come get the product. What can we do to help you? And, and obviously that, you know, he 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 had a good heart. He meant well with it, but you know, news say they didn't they didn't take our take our offer up, and so they immediately started trying to get food in from other areas, and um, that was was really difficult on them, and uh, as it would be for anybody, and so. Our business, all of a sudden, we went from, you know, having a good month. There was a lot going on. The SEC tournament was a week away at that time. Nashville's always got something going on, and we literally tripled in numbers. Wow. Selling out of stuff, ordering large quantities. I mean, it was crazy. And, and so, you know, we had to hire, uh, bring in help from Louisville to just to try to, to handle the, to, the volume. volume. was freaking phenomenal. And then also trying to reach out and help people. You know, that's the thing. You, you're sitting here and you're trying to take care of business, but you're bleeding because you're hearing all the stories and you're seeing all the things. And so we started trying to send out product. To, you know, we're getting phone calls. Hey, we're cooking for first time responders. So we do all the things that we do as people and helping. And it was uh, it was quite the, 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 the ride. Didn't have any idea that the good Lord was preparing us all for another storm coming <laughs> a, a week to 10 days later. And uh, but it was a different kind of storm because it wasn't a storm where we had so much business we didn't know what to do with. That's that's such an amazing story, Monty, and it doesn't surprise me one bit that Ron would send that message over to to Troy and Cisco. And I know Troy's a, a good friend; he's a super good guy. But that's just one of those things that it's nice to hear that he did that, and I would expect nothing less from him. You guys jumping in, you're absolutely slammed three times the business SEC tournament. And then Thursday, I want to say it's like March the 13th, maybe it was. I forget the exa- uh, exact well, day. Well, close, uh, you know, which was just two weeks ago. Seems like a lifetime ago now. Yeah. Yeah, they shut everything down. MLB, NHL, NBA, they closed. No March Madness. That all happened on a Thursday. What yeah. What does your life look like since then? Everything was so bam, bam, bam. And, and so it, it really started Wednesday night. Ron's... And Molly's middle son plays for University of Georgia's basketball team. So we went to the ball game that night. That Georgia had a really, you know, not a very good season, and so they were playing into the the early game Wednesday night. And before halftime, they announced that there's not going to be any fans at the game tomorrow. So all of a sudden, you go, "Wow, this," you know, and you could feel it. You know, if you think about it, the, the prior couple of weeks, you're starting to hear things. Really, if you look back, there was, you know, the president immediately. We had one person flying from China sometime in January, and he said, no more people from China coming in the country. Everybody's like, whoa. You know, regardless of what political aisle you're on, everybody kind of raised everybody's attention. She started, you were, you were following it now. From that day forward, you're starting to follow it. So 
leading up to that Wednesday, you know, you could feel things kind of bubbling up. What's, where's this thing going to go? And then it really started changing, literally by the hour. And by Wednesday night, you know, we're, we're not going, you know, only immediate family and friends or, or immediate families going to the ball tournament Thursday. Uh, Thursday morning, you know, we'd already made plans to meet down for lunch. We were being a, a and for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm family. I've been married to Ron's sister for 35 years, soon to be 36. You don't kick me out between now and then with us all being locked up in the house. <laughs> you know, that time. But then it really started changing, Brandon. We, you know, obviously they canceled the tournament. And so we're all just kind of sitting around like the rest of you. You know, rest of us, we're watching things develop over the next 24, 48, 72 hours. By Sunday, it was getting real. Matter of fact, it was real. Oh, yeah. We've got a call from one of our big suppliers, Dot, who we kind of compete with the Cisco's by Dot. And Dot says, hey, we're concerned about your your customer base uh, being able to pay you. And, and, and although you've been a A1 supplier, uh, paying your bills on time for up 10 years now and done in Bradstreet, we pay our bills every 15 days. Unfortunately, we, we're concerned about you getting paid. we got to put you on COD. Now, I can assure you, time we woke up Monday morning, 8 o'clock in our executive meeting, Zoom meeting, the emotions were high. We realized that there was, this storm was coming and, and, and there was no way to stop it. And our world changed that morning, uh, as we all, all of our worlds did in this industry. And, and really the whole country, you're starting to see other industries be affected by it. shutdowns. People didn't laid off, but my goodness, the poor old restaurant industry and the event industry just got slammed right out of the gate. The next thing you know, one of our big meat suppliers, same concern, and rightfully so. You know, we couldn't, we'd had a long-time relationship with them, been doing business, great partnership, but they were concerned, just like then all of a sudden we had to get concerned. So, you know, unfortunately, we we had to make the decision, okay, um, how are we going to keep this thing afloat? So, Brandon, we started laying people off that day. And, and, and when I say we we started realizing we were going to have to and and started getting our hands around who and how many. And, you know, by Wednesday, we'd laid off around 500 people of last week. And wow. um, and we had to put our customers on COD. And that's a difficult conversation. You know, it's, the only, it's one of the things that you and I as salespeople never want to have to have is, hey, chef, I need some money. I might have to quit shipping to you. Yeah, and when you have to have that conversation with your partners that have always paid you well they've done their part if it was 30 days it was 30 days and you go back to who we were from day one my goodness and it, just like all of us in this industry uh, you put our people on 30 day terms Lord we all know some of them go to 45 and 60 and we all hang in there together and carry those those balances that's what we do we feel comfortable, and, you know, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes we, you know, people uh, uh, don't make it. And, and and some of them hurt worse than the others, but we still feel like we did the th- same, you know, the, the right thing by trying to help people, you know, put them on a payment plan. Hey, just pay us $500 on the old and keep us current, you know, and uh, on, the, uh, on, on what you're buying now. So that was kind of our philosophy. Uh, that we felt like, hey, we got to keep money going in. We did a terrible job, quite frankly, on the delivery of it. If I would have, we were also emotionally in the air that we, we, we told our people that worked for us, all, right, all the customers said, hey, listen, we're not asking you to pay monies that are passed, that you owe us now, the balance. We just need you to help us keep this thing going, this cash flow. And if you would be so kind to pay us the, the, the monies or the groceries you buy today, just pay for those. And we'll see you on the other side on the balance as well. You and I, because we're in sales, we can have that conversation in a humble way and make people feel, you know, understand where we're coming from. I like to think so. I mean, it's not, it's never an easy conversation. It doesn't mean mean it's easy, but you and I have, when you're a salesman, you can, you you have the ability to have people skills know how to say things in the right way. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, the proper way would be say, hey, chef, I need your help. But we had a lot of people in our company that doesn't have that skill set, and they would just say, "Hey, listen, this is so and so with the company. Uh, I, you know, I, I need. I want to let you know we're going to have to start going COD." And well, before they could ever explain why to get to any other part of the conversation, and because everybody's emotions were high, they just heard the word COD. 
looking back on it, we should have come out with a script and the the proper way that people like you and I that are that you know deal with people daily. Uh, you know, we my mom. I mean, you know, bean counters are bean counters. They're pencil pushers, and and, and we you and I both know they don't have the greatest personalities in the world. They you know. Well. You know, they're, they're, I know they're some like, amazing you know. CPAs. Yes, and, and, <laughs> and my mother was an accountant, so I, I, if anybody I'm offending out there with that statement, <laughs> I can say it. God bless her soul; she's long gone. You know, she's passed away. <laughs> but, but you know, when it came time for her to collect money for her company she's worked for, she had that you know that voice tone, and and so I, I don't want to say our people were doing that, but they just didn't know how to to, to understand the impact that we were causing our customer base. And, so it's been some, you know, it's been some tough days, but I think most of our, our owner operators, people understand the predicament, and they, if they listened, uh, they they understood what we were doing. If you owe me seventy thousand dollars, chef, I don't need that right now. We'll, we'll we'll work out a payment plan for that on the other side. We just got to make sure we've got cash flow to keep this thing going. And so it was difficult, Brandon. I, I, probably some of, you know, I, it's probably some of the the more difficult times that that we've ever had. Um, and, and then you compound that with your own emotions of laying off, you know, 500 people. Yeah, I've never been part of that. I, I've, I've always said, uh, even when I fired people when I was mad throughout my career, I never felt good about it at the end of the day because I knew that affected somebody's family. And I guess if you if you start enjoying firing somebody, you're, you need to do something different anyway. So I think that goes for most people. Uh, but at the time, you know, in the emotions thing, someone, you let someone go, you know, it might have felt good for a second, but later on in the day, you go, my goodness, he has to go home and tell his family or go home and tell his landlord or his mortgage holder he no longer has a job. So it's just never anything pleasant about that. But boy, it takes it to a whole nother level when you got 500 people have been doing their job, part of a growing, exciting company. Nothing that they did to cause them other than to survive, to see the other side. We've got to let you go home for a while. And it's uh, it's been an emotional, tough time. Uh, one of the, you know, the first people I hired uh, or that I had to let go was my own daughter. And um, that was tough. But, you know, I, I don't want to pretend or even insult anyone that, that our journey's been tougher than anybody else's because this industry's bleeding. And everyone out here's got the same story that's in that, that's in, the, in our industry. Every single one of them. I want them to know that we're we're with you. We we don't have we're, – we're just trying to get to the other side. Uh, we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Um, and, and we're here to do everything we can to uh, help those out there that need our help and are trying to keep their doors open um, and, and first all to get to the other side. So I want to talk about that a little bit too. I mean, just I think what you're saying here is it's there's a burden that you have as a leader, as the COO of the Southern Division of a company that spans over the length of how much you guys have grown and while you can all share in prosperity for a certain amount of time there's a you have you having to let people go is painful but in order for the company to continue to survive through this tough time is an it's a necessity right you know unfortunately it is uh you know really our number one objective is to help the customers first and then our company uh, which is our employees, and, and, and I mean that sincerely because, and, and really they're together. I don't know that you can put one in front of the other. Uh, yeah. We know that there, if there are no customers, there are no there is no company for us. So if we don't have as our number one objective to see that all of our customers make it through, there is no creation guards what chefs want, and, and there is no employees to hire back. So it, it, it is a burden that every single person in this industry is experiencing and they're continuing to experience if this thing does not get turned around quickly there'll be more laid off you know everyone that's still here took a haircut we all reduced our our income so seeing as the cisco is closed and you had all this extra business has it really been as bad as you thought it was going to be worse wow i've lost 80 percent of our business <sighs> yeah and, and listen, you know, there's a lot of people that's they're, they're shut, their doors are shut down. You know, we're fortunate, and I say, you know, fortunate meaning that we, we, we're blessed that we have a lot of good people, smart people working for us, and we're we're still finding our niche. We're we've got politicians bickering on both sides of the aisle to figure out, you know, uh, what they're going to put in this bill. 
Uh, we have been in every politician's ear that we could be in for the last week to 10 days saying this industry is going to need help. We, we need some help when we come out of this other side. Our operators have got to have the money to get back open. They've got to be able to order their food. They've got to get their staff back on. And this country has got to support this industry to be able to help these people get open back on the other side. Um, so, you know, that's what we've been, you know, really trying to concentrate on getting done is, is uh, making sure that we're we're doing our part on our end to, to help our partners. And our partners are the mom and pops and, and the, you know, the universities and all the people that are out there uh, to try to get back open. So when you've been given, so you guys have been pivoting. So one of the things you said was, and, and I don't think, a lot of people recognize that you carry a perishable product. So when you have all this extra business and you ramp up, you have purchasers, people that buy product, they bring all this stuff in, then you lose 80% of your business. You got a bunch of extra stuff. You can either throw that away or you can do different things with it. I had a phone call with um, Hal over at Lockman Table the other day and he had just got back from the Frothy Monkey where he had just picked up several cases of fresh produce that was donated by Creation Gardens, and I thought that's—I want to know more about that. So, how did how did that come about? You know, Brandon, that, when you're as you said, the perishable business, you you know, you you don't always hit the numbers right. So, we have product that sometimes we we buy too much, and so we've always we've been very good about as all produce companies are. I think all food service companies are, you know, giving product away to the food banks of of the communities and. You know, we did that the first day. We we gave some product away the very first day, and and that Wednesday, Kyle uh, uh, from Cinema, Chef Kyle, um, called and said, "Hey, Monty, I, I, I ask a favor of you. Uh, if you've got eight or ten boxes of zucchini or squash or some things that are going bad, I'd love to come get it and be able to fix it for my employees and and, and also your employees and and, and just." You know, help these guys that have lost their jobs. At that time, they'd already, you know, they immediately, like the rest of us, I mean, Monday is like everybody shuts your doors. Uh, let's get our heads around it. And I said, absolutely, Kyle. Lord, that's, that's, that sounds wonderful. I've, I've already laid off a bunch of my people down here. I know they'd appreciate it. So I went home that night, and, and Brandon, just that quiet time, and, you know, trying to still take in where, how all of our worlds have been flipped upside down. And, you know, I thought, God, I've got to do more than I'm doing. I mean, I've got to do something. So I got that morning and made, called Kyle back and I said, Kyle, I think we, you know, we, I think we're going to have a bunch of produce here that we need to get to people. And I want to give it, uh, instead of taking it to the food bank, which we're glad to support, but Lord, we covered them up and, and I want to give it to our, our, our people in the industry. And um, so I called uh, Margot uh, and, and asked her to, Help me get some chefs lined up to uh, that we could have drop spots that we could take and, and drop this food off. And and she had a, a young lady, I think her name was Diane. I think I apologize for not giving her the, the credit that she deserves, but she called, jumped in, and and next thing you know, we had 17 or so stops, I think, around the city that we just we we treated them like that they had placed an order. We didn't take everybody lettuce and one person, all the cucumbers. You know, we really kind of broke it down. And we'd already started the organization, Nashville Recovery, uh, when the tornado hit. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of promoted it on that. Next thing you know, Brandon, we, we were able to, I don't know how many families we we helped. We, we delivered about 67,000 pounds of produce, though. 67,000 pounds of produce? Mm-hmm. Now, that included eggs and dairy and juice but yeah most of it was produce so it was um, it was I was not there uh, I was quarterbacking it and making sure everything you know we we asked people to come in on their time off because we, we're closed now we're not five, we're not seven days a week we cut back to five days a week so had people come in and some people volunteer and some you know were just still shell shocked so we paid some people to come in though to, to, to go da- donate this food and hearing the stories back uh, from from where we dropped it off was a, it, it 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 had such an impact on me, and I don't feel like I've done nothing other than what someone would do for me. And so, where I feel like I'm trying to make an impact right now is I'm using every year of my life that I've known people 
throughout my life and, 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 and I've been fortunate enough to know people who know people. I always said I never was, did have very much money in life, but I always knew people who had some money. <laughs> so I'm, I'm utilizing some people now to, to talk directly to politicians, to get in their ear and, 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 and letting them know what our industry needs, what our people out here that are living week from week need. We need to start dispersing money. They, the, you know, this division we have in our country now, the politicians, you would have hoped that this situation, they had gone up there and done what was the right thing to do, and they're still jockeying for position instead of getting this money to the people. So we've done a really good job. Ron's an exceptional job of, of laying out plans for our industry, and I've been able to get that plan to some pretty big people in this country. Uh, so, and, and until they take care of our people. That's my mission right now, Brandon, where I'm spending a lot of time other than my daily operation things that we're doing just to try to keep our doors open. It's staying in politicians' ears, and there's been some good ones down here. I tell you what, uh, Charlie Hatcher, the Commissioner of Agriculture, has been incredible for this community in what all he's trying to do and helping us uh, get our, our doors back open and have the resources to be able to do that. That's fantastic, Monty. I think that utilizing your connections to get the most we can for everybody in this community, I've really recognized that the entire community as a whole, uh, I think you mentioned Margot, and I sat down with Margot last week when this was kind of first happening, and she said, this is devastating for people because the way that we give love is we, we create food, we're able to serve people. We create memories that people are able to have. And that's one of the way, that's that's kind of our love language, the people in the service industry. And when we're not able to do that, there's a void in our hearts. And I thought, wow, what a accurate way to put that. And so I think what you're seeing out of the hospitality industry is just everybody jumping in to help because that's what we know how to do. It's, that's, it's really unlike any other industry where we just, all you want to do is just help you because that's how you give love. And I think it's pretty special. And you know what? I think we're going to be okay. I think that overall, I think that we're going to be okay. Well, that, that's who this country is, Brandon. You know, it's, uh, I, I, I think all of us, regardless of what side of the political aisle you're on, we've felt this division in our country for the last few years. I want to hope that we're. This will maybe, if it's God's will, to to bring us back together as a country. And, and I go back to what I said to you earlier. If you're in this industry, you either have the spirit of service or you don't. And to be in this industry, it, that's a given. You you want to give. You want to you, you want to help people. I mean, think about what we do every single day. So then, when we come upon times like this. That doesn't change, you know. You're you're serving people in the food service industry. So when when you, you see all these strangers showing up at people's houses with chainsaws and shovels and yeah. bare hands and to help them through, uh, you know, uh, getting their their yards cleaned up or trying to help them with their personal belongings, uh, that is a natural instinct for people in our industry because they have that spirit of giving. And so what I what our company did Friday. That was nothing. I don't. I don't. I don't expect or even want a pat on the back because I feel like every person we gave that food to, if it was reversed, they would do the same thing for you and I. Yeah, I think this is a great time to practice the golden rule. You know. Yeah, I mean, treat people like you want to be treated. So. Hundred percent. I, 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 I am encouraged by seeing, and I've watched. You know, I heard of all these people, the the, the Margos and the Frothy Monkeys and the Carls over. At, at uh, you know, at Biscuit Love, and the names go on. I mean, the, uh, Edgar Irving Grubb. I mean, all the, the different people that that helped then hand out this food. That's where all the work was. They were bagging it and and letting people come and get as much as they want. You know, our guys that delivered. That was the easy part. Distri you know, distributing all this food from from each location and and managing the crowds. That's where a lot of the work came in. And of course, what happened? People volunteered their time because they'd already been laid off. They went down there and helped because that's what we do. So, you know, I, I, you know, everybody that's listening, um, you and I could talk for days. We're talkers. I was just uh, going to say, I think that we've, we're about at an hour now. Yeah. What's next? Uh, so if this whole thing didn't happen, what's on the horizon? Where do you, where do you see yourself next? 
Well, we're, we're truly like the rest of us. We're day-to-day. We're, we're, we're recreating opportunities. We've started being part of the supply chain for some of the, the grocery stores, uh, just being, you know, helping them get their food to, the, to, the, to the, the individual stores. They've been overwhelmed. And we have two meetings a day, executive meetings, stating, all right, here's how much money we had come in today. Here's what we can expect coming in tomorrow. Here's money. I mean, we're, you know, our company like we do our household. Here's how much money we've got to spend for groceries tomorrow. And just trying to ramp back up, we're, we're seeing a little light in the tunnel. Some of the takeout business that folks are doing are helping. Uh, we've got a lot of, uh, of assisted living and some school, you know, systems that are still trying to feed their students who, you know, poverty level that they're trying to give the, still give the meals out daily. So we're helping those folks. And we're just really trying to, to hang on till we get to the other side. It's the same model I'm trying to, you know, explain to our customer base. It's just... Get yourself, just make sure you get to the other side. Do what you have to do. We're here to help, and, and, and let's get to the other side. And we'll come back out of this, and this country will be as strong as ever, and we'll survive it. I saw you guys were partnering with Gifford, Gifford's Bacon, and you've got yes, some uh, boxes going out with chicken and pork chops and steaks as yep. well with their, their bacon and some smoked bologna. That looked really good. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody, I, I love this this industry you know everybody thinks outside the box we have to we always have had to and so i'm hearing some great little success stories from some of our operators hanging in there and they're going to continue to do so they're going to try to to uh, figure out a way to keep their doors open keep keep some type of money's coming into their employees and and uh so that's that's our immediate uh, uh goals is just to try to stay open until we get to the other side and uh, be that voice uh to to our our politicians in this country and make sure we're being heard i don't know if we're going to have any luck with that brandon heck this industry never has had a lot of luck with that but it's not going to be because we don't try i can't tell you one of the things i'd love to share with you before we get off here sure is, do you remember when we used to have the, the what we call our cab our chef advisory board yes we're gonna we're gonna call some of our our local uh chefs in each one of our territories and have a zoom cab meeting to hear what we can do, hear how can we help, and start listening, trying to get some of our guys on the on the horn and, 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 and share ideas and, and hear what their thoughts are and their challenges are to help them get back open and what we're willing to do and try to do and uh, to be part of that solution. So, uh, you know, I might be reaching out to you uh, to maybe kind of give updates at times on what we're seeing and hearing. Uh, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, I think you can be a great voice to our industry all the time, but certainly during these uncertain times of uh, really not knowing what's going to happen from day to day. So I'd love for you to be a part of that if you can, and, and we're going to be reaching out to some of our, our partners to, to help us uh, get the word out and, 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 and try to welcome some ideas of what we can do together to try to survive this thing and get ready when we come out. Absolutely. I'd love to be part of anything. The goal of this podcast is really to communicate to um, the community everything that's going on, anything that can be a bridge to, to understanding and perspective. So I, whatever updates you have, whatever it might be, if I can put it out there, I would love to be a vessel for you. So thank you so much for joining uh, Nashville Restaurant Radio today, and it's good catching up to you. I uh, You've been a good friend over many, many, many years, and I really appreciate you coming on today. Well, Brandon, that's you know, that's you know, it's funny. You, we we parted ways years ago. It seems like yesterday, but but we never lost touch. And uh, uh, you know, you're good people, and, and I, I think I think God has led you to your calling. Uh, <laughs> I've all you've always had the the ability to uh, uh, own the room, and, and I think the industry and the community right now need you to kind of own this voice to to let people's stories be heard uh, during this time and 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 ask for help, uh, suggest uh, things to us that can help us all. Uh, and I, I think uh, once we get out of this, I'm excited about listening and, and tuning in to all the different uh, uh, people that I know you're going to be able to get on the show, and, and uh, we hope to be uh, continue to be a part of it. And, and, you know, the last thing I'll say is um, everybody hang in there. We're going to get through this, uh, hopefully stronger. That's, that's, you want to say that we are, but, but you can only pray that we will. But I have trust in, in, in everybody's will and way, uh, the, the habits they've always had, because you, you got to be a hard worker in this industry. So I know that if we just, just hang in there, uh, I feel confident that we will we'll all make it. So uh, 
uh, Brandon, thank you for, for allowing me to be on this with you today. So, Monty, is there an email address? Uh, if people have questions about what chefs want, anything that they want to know about Creation Gardens or what chefs want, how, how would they contact you guys? Well, the best thing to do is go to our website at whatchefswant.com, and it'll give you all the uh, different uh, ways that you can get in contact with our team. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Monty. Uh, best of luck to you. And let me know if there's anything else I can do uh, to help. But thanks again for taking time today. Brandon, take care of yourself, you and your family, and stay safe. All right, buddy. I will. Thank you. Take care. So there you have it. Monty Crawford with What Chefs Want, stopping in for the one-hour interview. Uh, thanks again, Monty, for doing that with me. And I just really love the fact that that company is able to stop take some time out to really kind of explain their position on a lot of things. And I hope you're able to see that they're, although a very large company at this point, that they go through a lot of the same things that we do. Um, they're having to make a lot of the similar decisions that you are. And I think there's an empathy there that they understand what you're doing. And it's really kind of a cool community for everybody to help each other. So again, this is Nashville Restaurant Radio, and I hope you guys are staying safe out there. We will talk to you soon. Love you guys. Bye.